Section 2 of David and His Friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Twyla Johnson. David and His Friends, a series of revival sermons by Louis Albert Banks. Section 2. David Under the Holy Horn. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. First Samuel sixteen twelve and 13 Saul's sins had brought about his doom. The world did not know it yet, but in the heart of God he was doomed sometimes the sinner goes on in his defiance against god thinking the lord has forgotten but god does not forget though he does not pay at the end of the week as someone has aptly said at the last he pays saul may still live in the palace he may still be the head of the army and the people may still bow themselves down before him but his sins have already ruined him and his public shame and disgrace is soon to follow during this time while saul's doom was in the air god gave directions to samuel the prophet to go down to bethlehem carrying with him a horn full of holy oil and there to anoint as king one of the sons of jesse and samuel was afraid to go at first for he knew saul's vicious and vindictive spirit and he said to the lord how can i go if saul hear it he will kill me and the lord said take a heifer with thee and say i am come to sacrifice to the lord and call jesse to the sacrifice and i will show thee what thou shalt do and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom i name unto thee and samuel obeyed god and as he came near the town driving the heifer in front of him the people in the town trembled at his coming they feared no doubt that he was coming to prophesy against them because of their sins what cowards sin does make of us and the elders of the town inquired of samuel comest thou peaceably and he replied peaceably i am come to sacrifice unto the lord sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice and he sanctified jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice and when they were come together samuel was alert and greatly interested to see who was to be the new king over israel now the eldest of jesse's sons eliab was the largest of them all he was like saul in his figure a great tall broad-shouldered magnificent-looking specimen of physical manhood all the others in the crowd looked little and insignificant when compared to him and when samuel saw him he said to himself there is the man surely the lord's anointed is before him but the lord made samuel know his mistake and said to him look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because i have refused him for the lord seeth not as man seeth for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. A bad heart may make a splendid physical manhood, 
seem only repulsive what a shame it is that outward appearances should often be so deceptive when we see a man with great physical strength and beauty it is natural for us to feel that here ought to be a defender of the weak and a giant for righteousness and goodness i remember a friend of mine telling me of a young man who was living in boston during the years when phillips brooks was doing his great work there in trinity church this young man was converted to christ under phillips brooks ministry and he explained to my friend how it came about he said the first thing that attracted him to mr brooks was his giant-like physical form he used to see him walking down the street every morning and he said to himself what a man that is he was thinking only of the physique and nothing else but he so greatly admired the splendid appearance of the man that he went to hear him preach and as he listened to his clear expositions of the scripture and was charmed by his flights of eloquence he began to admire the intellect of the man and he said to himself what a splendid brain he has it is equal to his body he is a giant in intellect as well as in physique but as he went on listening to mr brooks sermons the spirit of god used the word as a two-edged sword and he became greatly troubled because of his sins and finally he was so troubled that he went to see mr brooks and opened his heart to him and then the great man's tenderness of heart and loving sympathy with him as he cleared away his doubts swallowed up all his previous thoughts concerning him the young man not only came to know jesus christ as his savior but his heart was flooded also with the knowledge that phillips brooks was as great in his heart and in his spiritual nature as he was in body or brain surely that is as it ought to be always it's a shame for a man to be large in body and mind and little and narrow and mean in spirit the same is true of the circumstances in which we live when you see a man living in a large and splendid house having about him all the evidences of abundance and the indications of great wealth you feel that out from such a house there should flow streams of benevolence and loving sympathy and brotherhood to those who are less blessed in worldly comforts you feel that the strength of this man and his family financially and socially should be a pledge of their kindness of heart and of their generosity and sympathy of conduct when it proves to be true it is a beautiful thing but when such a place is full of selfishness and greed a place where everything comes in to minister to comfort and nothing goes out in sympathy of love you feel that it's a shame and only a mockery of what it professes to be is not the same thing true of our spiritual blessings when we see a man who has been a christian for ten or twenty or thirty years who has been hedged about all his life long with christian influences and has known from his childhood the kindness and love of god we feel that here is one that ought to be tender with the erring and who ought to be using his christian strength to seek after those who have not had the same precious privileges and whose lives have not been so sheltered 
What a mean thing it is for us to take all the comfort and peace of God's great mercy and fail to give ourselves up to seeking after the lost. Mr. Moody tells of a young man who lay dying and his mother thought he was a Christian. One day, passing his room door, she heard him say, Lost, lost, lost. The mother ran into the room and cried, My boy, is it possible that you've lost your hope in Christ now that you're dying? No, mother, it is not that. I have a hope beyond the grave, but I have lost my life. I have lived twenty-four years and have done nothing for the Son of God and now I am dying. My life has been spent for myself. I have lived for this world, and now, while I'm dying, I have given myself to Christ. But my life is lost. How is it with you? What are you doing with the mercies that God has given you? Has Eliab any message for you? Do you look like a king or a queen and live like a beggar? God help us that the inner nature may be as kingly as the outward, and it may be infinitely more so. And so Samuel passed Eliab by, and the next, and still the next, came on until seven sons of Jesse had passed before him. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And then Samuel inquired, Are here all thy children? And Jesse answered, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. They sent then for David. He was so young it had not occurred to the father that he was important enough to think about in matters of interest to the family. He was only a shepherd lad. But in David, after all, was the hope of the family. David had youth and innocence of heart and the possibilities of development. The Spirit of God had not yet touched him, and neither his father nor his brothers dreamed of the splendid possibilities wrapped up in that shepherd boy. How many of us are thus blind today? There is a boy who lives next door to us, but he's young and awkward. And when we are thinking of the people we can win to Christ, we are likely to pass him by. There is a boy working in the same store with you, but he is young and uninteresting. And it does not occur to you that it would be a great thing, a marvelous thing, to turn these young, awkward steps toward heaven. But nobody can tell what the boy will grow into if the Spirit of God can be put upon him. A recent writer tells how, over in old Scotland many years ago, a faithful minister coming early to the church met one of his deacons, whose face wore a very resolute but distressed expression. I came early to meet you, he said. I have something on my conscience to say to you. Pastor, there must be something radically wrong in your preaching and work. There has been but one person added to the church in a whole year, and he is only a boy. I feel it all, he says. I feel it, but God knows that I have tried to do my duty, and I can trust him for the results. Yes, yes, said the deacon. 
but by their fruits ye shall know them and one member and he too only a boy seems to me rather a slight evidence of true faith and zeal i don't want to be hard but i have this matter on my conscience and i have done but my duty in speaking plainly true said the old man but charity suffereth long and is kind beareth all things hopeth all things ay there you have it hopeth all things i have great hopes of that one boy robert some seed that we sow bears fruit late but that fruit is generally the most precious of all the old minister went to the pulpit that day with a grieved and heavy heart he closed his discourse with dim and tearful eyes he wished that his work was done for ever and that he was at rest among the graves under the trees in the churchyard he lingered in the old church after the rest were gone he wished to be alone the place was sacred and inexpressibly dear to him it had been his spiritual home from his youth before this altar he had prayed over the dead forms of a bygone generation and had welcomed the children of a new generation and here yes here he had been told at last that his work was no longer owned and blessed no one remained no one only a boy the boy was robert moffat he watched the trembling old man his soul was filled with loving sympathy he went to him and laid his hand on his black gown well robert said the minister do you think if i were willing to work hard for an education i could ever become a preacher a preacher perhaps a missionary there was a long pause tears filled the eyes of the old minister at length he said this heals the ache in my heart robert i see the divine hand now may god bless you my boy yes i think you will become a preacher some years ago there returned to london from africa an aged missionary his name was spoken with reverence when he went into an assembly the people rose when he spoke in public there was a deep silence princes stood uncovered before him nobles invited him to their homes he had added a province to the church of christ on earth had brought under the gospel's influence the most savage of african chiefs had given the translated bible to strange tribes had enriched with valuable knowledge the royal geographical society and had honored the humble place of his birth the scottish church the united kingdom and the universal missionary cause it is hard to trust when no evidence of fruit appears but the harvest of right intentions are sure the old minister sleeps beneath the trees in the humble place of his labors but men remember his work because of what he was to that one boy and what that one boy was to the world only a boy a spiritual revolution would take place in this city if all of us were as truly anxious here that the young boys and girls the young men and women should be anointed to the service of christ 
as Samuel was to see David anointed king. He would not eat until he had looked on David's face and had held above his head the horn of holy oil and in God's name had set him apart to be king over Israel. But our message is not all for Christians. What a beautiful and inspiring message we find here for those who have been going on their way, doing their ordinary work as David had been, and have not come into fellowship with Christ. You have looked at religion as a good thing for others, and there have been hours when you have said, Sometime I too will become a Christian, but the time has never come, and you are still away from God and without hope in His love. I come tonight to call you to this diviner life. It is the noblest life that anyone has ever lived, this life of freedom from sin, this life of friendship with Jesus Christ and fellowship with those who love and serve Him. There is no honor that the world can give which is equal to the honor that God puts upon us when His Spirit comes and takes possession of the heart and abides there giving us comfort and peace, and inspiring us to lofty deeds. Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman says that a Scotch friend of his told him he was once going to his native land and stopped at a little cottage by the wayside to rest. When he entered the room, his first inclination was to be seated in a comfortable chair which occupied a very prominent place in the room. But just as he was about to sit down, an old scotch woman sprang to the chair and throwing up her hands in an excited gesture exclaimed nay nay man don't sit there she pointed to the scarlet cord fastened around the chair which he had not noticed before and said one day her majesty queen victoria left her carriage and came into this house because a sudden storm had overtaken her and with a look of great reverence she continued she sat in this chair and when she went away we fastened the scarlet cord about it and i said we will give it to our son john and he can keep it in his family is it not wonderful her majesty the queen has used it jesus christ the king of kings and lord of lords sends me in his name to assure you that if you will open the door of your heart, he will come and take up his abode there, and honor you with his presence as long as you live in the world, and when the journey of life is over, will receive you into heaven, and honor you there forever. End of section 2